I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers on NYCHA at the Crossroads. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. You can find me and follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Lisa Evers. And you can follow our official Street Soldiers Instagram and Twitter accounts for the latest news on the show. And I have to mention, you can also catch up and check out all of our episodes, all of our shows, both Hot 97 and Fox 5, free of charge on LisaEvers.com. And if you subscribe to our Street Soldiers podcast, on iTunes, you won't have to miss an episode because you'll get the notification. So I encourage you to check that out. Now in this episode, we are taking a look at NYCHA in the crossroads and the decisions that can definitely change and dramatically change the lives of nearly half a million public housing residents. A federal judge has given Mayor de Blasio in the city of New York until January 31st, 2019 to come up with a real plan to deal with the mold, lead paint, outdated infrastructure like broken boilers, and even rat infestations that are out of control, or else the federal government will step in and take over. What, what is at stake? What does that mean? Let's find out what our panel has to say. Joining me is Heidi Morales. She's a working mother of four children. She's also a NYCHA resident. Heidi, great to have you with us. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you for having me, Lisa. Thank you. And also with us is Danny Barber. He's the president of CCOP. That's the Citywide Council of Presidents. They represent the resident and tenant associations, all of their presidents of all the NYCHA developments. Danny, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. We really appreciate it. Also with us is Alika Amprey-Samuel. She's a New York City Council member from Brooklyn. She is the chair of the City Council Housing Committee. She grew up in Brownsville, and Brownsville is one of the districts, one of the neighborhoods that she represents. Um, City Council member, thank you so much for being with us. Glad to be here. We really appreciate it. Let me start with you because you are in those hearings. You're down there at City Hall. You're in the community. You see these discussions that are taking place. We hear about NYCHA 2.0. We hear about rapid repairs. What is really going on in terms of the overall picture here? Well, yeah, you know, I, I grew up in Brownsville, but I also grew up in NYCHA. And so I think it's critical to be able to have the voice of the people and have somebody that that has the air of the street know what's happening. And the mayor did release the NYCHA 2.0, and we know that there's been increased funding from the city, there's been increased funding from the state, as well as HUD. But the residents don't feel that. <coughs> residents are still without heat and hot water. Residents are still suffering every single day. And so we need to look at what's happening on a federal level. And um, I hate the fact that we have to wait six more weeks to find out an actual decision from Judge Pauly with the um, federal lawsuit. Um, but at the same time, we got to get through these next six weeks the same way we had to get through the last 12 months and two years and 10 years. And so there's a lot happening on every single government level. And um, I'm glad to just be in the city council to help push, fight, and make sure the, the voice of the people is at the table. No, and, and we appreciate you had the Brownsville Town Hall this past summer, you know, one of the many town halls. <laughs> You've been to our Street Soldiers Town Halls, <laughs> and you're, you're out there on the streets. We, we appreciate you being here to help us kind of navigate our way through mm -hmm. all, these, all this terminology and these programs that are coming out. Danny Barber, one of your complaints throughout the whole process of the last, last couple years has been that residents' voices just aren't being heard. We, we hear lots of press releases, see press releases, hear media announcements, all of these kinds of things. Are things much different for residents today than they were a year ago? The Basic, majority. Basically, things are pretty much the same, although we may have little, 
little things that are, are done different under the toolage of Vito Massachulo, the general manager, who has come in and who has really given effort. Um, my mom always said give credit where credit is due. So I will say that Vito has attempted. He has been attempting. He has been adherent to the calls from the electeds as well as from resident leaders that reach out. So I will say that there has been some change with the general manager, but for the rest of the system, it's basically the same. So it's like the, the message that the general manager gives out on how things should be is not adhered throughout NYCHA. And not yet, maybe. Let's, let's you know, keep hope alive here. But the um, Heidi Morales, you have four children. Your youngest baby is five months old. And tell us about the first NYCHA apartment that you moved out of. Um, when I walked, right first thing, when I walked into the apartment, you already smelled mold. You smelled um, wet wood. Um, and from then on, I was just like, okay, you know, maybe it's just piping needs to be fixed. Throughout the process of me fixing the apartment, we found a lot of pipes, rusty pipes, and, and you know, little cracks and crevices where they wouldn't fix things, and you can see the black mold behind it. Um, about three months after I moved there, my daughter caught her first asthma attack. My daughter's done passed out in front of the ambulance and everything. And how old was, how old was she? She was about time? three or four at the time. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. So she never had asthma before yeah. you had moved into the apartment? No. no, not at all. And then, um, you know, putting tickets in, tickets being closed, no one coming, or them coming when they feel like it and not notifying you that they're on their way. Um, it's just, I've, I'm, like I said before, I mentioned so I'm just another needle in a big haystack. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many people that all the stuff that I you know, see on the news, I'm going through every single thing. And they took me out of one apartment because it was uninhabitable to move me to another apartment, two buildings down, and now I have every single thing that I was dealing with before, but now I have rats. Because I'm on the first floor. You could smell sewage like like a smell of sewage coming up from the basement, in, inside the bathrooms, inside the closets. When you walk it's embarrassing to have people come over. Because you know that they're going to go, what's that smell? And they're going to think it's you. You know, you have a dirty home or something. Right. I don't like having company. My mom comes in and she smells it. It stinks in here. But what does it do in terms of the kids? And, and um, how is your daughter doing my daughter, now? She has to take steroids twice a day, morning and p.m. She takes three allergy medications. And she takes, um, if she has a, uh, a machine, as well as. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. At she, age three or four? Uh, yes, yeah, since age three or four, she's been on that, and she's permanently on those medications. If my daughter, the more she gets asthma attacks, scar tissue starts to build in her lungs. And the doctor told me, lung specialist, um, told me that if my daughter keeps suffering, the more exasperation she gets, more exasperation, more lung tissue, more scar tissue, and that means, you know, chronic problems when she gets older. And did he? Did the doctor tell you the, the lung specialist say <coughs> that it came from the mold or that it was from all that? It, it comes from allergens. Allergens, allergies. Now, um, bef when I moved there, I already knew there was mice. I didn't think there were rats. My neighbors told me there's rats. I'm like, okay, you know. But I had a cat. Come to find out, my daughter's highly allergic to cats. But if I don't have a cat, I have mice. So either way, it's like you can't get around. You can't. You can't win. You can't, you you can't, can't win. win. Mice are smart creatures. They're not. 
you know, right. you patch up one hole, they're going to no, find we, their way around. No, and we've around. seen firsthand, mm -hmm. yeah. firsthand the rats for sh for sure. The uh, talk with us about the s some of these new plans. We heard this NYCHA 2.0. What is, what exactly is that, City Council Member? So the plan is to be able to generate revenue into the NYCHA development. So with a $32 billion capital repair need, 2.0, which looks at um, converting the regular public housing developments to Section 8 to be able to provide the necessary repairs now. And then there's also a concept of being able to develop and build new construction on um, um, underutilized or what they term as underutilized um, NYCHA land. And then there's a part of it that also looks at the possibility of selling off air rights. So when you look at the plan 2.0, it's just kind of all over the place to be able to cast a wide net and be able to drive or bring in as much revenue as um, you possibly can to address the needs that we hear every single day. All these, like, like we just heard from Heidi and what her family is going through. Let's just take a short break. I want to come back to the money because that's something a lot of people don't understand how they could have gotten so much money every year and, and yet things just not yeah. getting, simple things just not getting fixed. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Yo, yo, what's yo, up? Yo, this what's is up? me, DMC, in the place to be, and the only place for you to ever be is right here listening to Lisa Evers on Street Soldiers. Rah! Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about NYCHA at a crossroads. A lot of decisions are about to be made that could affect the future for nearly half a million New Yorkers. Joining me to talk about this, Heidi Morales. She's a working mother of four. She's also a NYCHA resident dealing with a slew of problems. Heidi, great to have you with us. Thank, Thank you, you so much. We appreciate it. And also, we I have to say, too, we appreciate your courage in speaking out, too, because that, that takes it, it This takes is guts. actually a blessing because I'm one in the few, and it's not easy to get through to anybody so they can listen. So. Thank Listen. you. Well, thank you, and thank you for being here with us. Also with us is Danny Barber. He's the president of CCOP. It's a citywide council of presidents of resident and tenants associations. They're presidents of NYCHA development, so he represents a lot of people around the city. Danny, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Also with us is city council member Alika Amprey-Samuel. She's a Democrat from Brooklyn. She uh, represents Brownsville and other neighborhoods in Brooklyn. She's the chair of the city council housing committee. She also grew up in NYCHA, City Council Member Amprey Samuel, great to have you with us. Thanks. Thank you Thanks. so much. When you hear Heidi's story about what she goes through with her children, what do you think about that? You know, it's we have conversations on such a, a, a high level sometimes when we get into these these roundtable discussions with the mayor or if I'm having a meeting with Lynn Patton from HUD or having a meeting with the governor's people, we're always talking about money, right? right. And, and the conversation is always, well, we, it's not, we're giving more money than anybody else over the past several decades. So we're doing our part. But what's missing is the stories right, from the families. And when I hear uh, Ms. Morales' story, it, it, it makes me sad. Like, I'm sitting here and I'm trying to figure out what are we saying, what are we doing? But at the end of the day, she has four babies at home that are running around in the household with rats. Right. And where's the accountability? And I'm sitting here as an elected official representing the city, also my people, but what can I say to families that are looking at me saying, Alika? Okay, thank you for everything that you're doing, but I'm going home tonight and I still don't have heat and hot water. Right. I still have rats running around. Sewage smell in her house. Sewage smell. And I and and I see it when I go to visit. I go to my family's homes and residents' homes all the time. And it's such a difficult place to be, a spot to be in because we are in a battle with the mayor as well. 
we're in a battle with the governor as well because we want to be able to push the billions of dollars that are just sitting there. Because there is money sitting there. The money there. is there. That's what's so That's what's so. It's astounding. just not, it's not moving as fast as it should move. And that's because there's always a distrust or a, a, a question about how NYCHA tracks and how NYCHA um, uh, uh, pulls together contracts. And the money doesn't move as fast as it should because there's no real um, uh, management that knows how What's to going, do this. And I, and I want to talk about, but they are very, they are very good. You, Heidi, explain the ticket situation because this is something we've heard from day one covering this story and reporting on this for the so show and for, for Fox 5. Tell us about the ticket, because you, if you have a complaint, like you have the mold or you have the rats or whatever, you call NYCHA or you go on the app, right, and yeah. you're given a ticket number. Explain given a ticket number, either they're pending or they're closed without being, without anyone coming to check on your apartment, um, or they'll set a date and they won't come on that date and come knock on your door whenever they please, you're not mm -hmm. home. If you don't let them come in, they put, I guess they note it down saying tenant refused for repair. And what happens? Repair. And what about the rent? Tell us about the rent collection. Like, um, you, if you don't pay your rent, how oh, they send can you, you to, can you like be there for a couple months and <laughs> not pay your rent? And um, I think they give you about like three months. I've done it before. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, you're not gonna do this. I'm not giving. Not even NYCHA court. Why do you need my money? You're not even doing anything with it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not irresponsible. I put my money on a money order, and I leave it there, and I wave it in your face. I have it right here. Until you do what I ask you, I'm not giving it to you. Because a lot, there are people that that think that residents don't pay rent. Yeah. That a lot of residents don't pay rent, which is not which is not true. Danny, in terms of the money, and please correct me if I'm wrong. The the city budget is two billion dollars a year for NYCHA. Mm -hmm. A third of that two billion dollars comes from residents paying their own rent. So where does two billion dollars a year go? NYCHA gets their share from the city, but we, we have to always look back. There was a time where there was 21 city and state developments that the city nor the state took care of. And HUD monies were utilized to take care of those 21 developments. And HUD started cutting the funding that it was given NYCHA. And this is back in 2004, 2006. And so that created the hole that we're in now. That was the beginning of the hole. And it continued and it got worse. And then under the city started giving money under Christine Quinn under, with the internship program where she put in the $10 million and then the city started giving, the state started giving, and then the finger pointing started and like Councilwoman said that, oh, I, we give more money than this one or anybody else is giving. But meantime, it's sitting there, and, in, the, it's it's sitting sitting there in the bank there. somewhere. You did Patterson Houses a few right. weeks ago. Right. You had Patterson Houses no where water. Patterson were No, paid. not even, forget hot water, not even any water. No water, and they were slated, and the boilers were paid for, and they have yet to get their new boilers. They, they still have the temporary have boilers. The temporary They've been boilers. there for more than five years. Five plus years that conk out whenever they get ready to. That goes back to the mismanagement. Yeah. And poor I was just going to ask you, like, help yeah. us understand that. That's, that's just totally mismanagement. And then just about the rent collection, I want people to know that um, we had a hearing and her from the accountant or the finance director who stated there's a 93, 94% rent collection rate. 
So that's not, that's almost 100%. So that means people pay their rent. Right. 94% of residents pay their rent. And so, um, but the issue was really about like just the checks and balance. And I think this, this, this whole process of um, a need for a new like independent manager, a new independent monitor to step in is critical because we've seen over and over again that from the top, the executive level, they are not managing the money. They are not managing the contracts the way they should. We have the mayor who put in like $3 billion for new roofs. And when we got to the, to the buildings that had a new roof in place, there was ponding. And it was like a, a shabby job by a contractor. Right. And so, like, who's so looking at which gave you the that's mold? What, that's what came from. That's why. That's why I got moved to the first place. Absolutely. You had one of those buildings. The, the building there was water coming in. Um, that's where they found a lot. Of, that's when the damage. When the, I guess after so many years of it puddling, it finally broke open, and the water started coming in. The mold started seeping through, and that's why. Oh I my gosh! And it, if it, if we did <coughs> not walk around with Vito, who is an expert, who's the general, who's manager, the general manager now, if we didn't walk around with him and he saw for himself right. what was happening. Vito says, oh, no, this is not correct. We need to call that contractor right away and, you know, look to see what the warranty is. And they called him right in and they made the repairs. But that's the roof that we actually um, toured, right? Right. So what about the other ones or what about the other buildings? So it's who is in place to make sure that people are doing what they're supposed to be doing and following up? Exactly. And I think this has to do with the question people are saying. Who's running this? How Who's are they running, running it? Do they even know what's going on with the alleged sex parties on overtime? It's Absolutely. called the three Fs, Lisa. What? Family, friends, and favors. <laughs> yeah. NYCHA family, hires friends, their, and favors. NYCHA okay. hire their family. They fulfill commitments to their friends that help them get to where they are. Right. And... They just, everybody they made promises to, they got to fulfill those favors to go forward so that they don't have that person upset with them. There's a lot of residents that are capable and above anybody, a lot of the people that NYCHA have on staff that can do these jobs but aren't given the opportunity. If you looked into your resident pool of the skill sets that you have, you will be surprised on what you have. I know that I've sent at least 10 young men, and five of them are elevator mechanics for NYCHA. At least 10 of them are HPTs, heating plant technicians, that know the new systems such as hydrotherm systems that half of the fleet that work for NYCHA don't know the new systems. They don't know them, and they make it verbal to the residents when they come out. I don't know what I'm doing. You want? Can I say something real quick, and then we'll come you back? You know, Reese, the programs that mm-hmm. they yes. mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Reese. up. I I attended one of them for construction for NYCHA. Now my application is in the system. I'm waiting for NYCHA to call me back so I can work for NYCHA. Carpentry. That's what mm-hmm. I want to go for. Now, when I was at these classes, we're not being taught what we really need to be taught and sent. Because let's say right now I get hired by NYCHA and I get a call back for a union, I have no idea what I'm doing. You don't I'm, have that. I only have a basic understanding. And let's let's pick up let's pick yeah, up on that point as well on we on the on the skills and, and all of that, but also to the residents and, and I really do want to talk about some of these these new programs that are coming up. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Hey yo, this is Pat Post with Lisa, Lisa Evers. Evers. Put, Put your, your thinking caps, caps on. Street, Street Soldiers. soldiers. 
Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about NYCHA, what's ahead in the future, some decisions that could affect the daily lives of nearly half a million New Yorkers. Joining me to find out more about this is Heidi Morales. She's a working mother of four, and she's also a NYCHA resident. Heidi, great to have you with us. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Also joining us is Danny Barber. He's the president of CCOP. It's the Citywide Council of Presidents. He represents the presidents of all the resident and tenant association presidents in NYCHA developments. Danny, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Also with us is City Council Member Alika Amprey Samuel. She's from Brooklyn. She is the chair of the City Council Housing Committee. She grew up in NYCHA in Brownsville. And City Council Member, great to have you with us. Glad to Thank be here. Thank you so much. Let's talk about, we've heard about this RAD program, this public-private partnership, hmm. is that really an answer, that it's going to be very ambitious, that it's going to bring in public money like we saw with Ocean Bay to convert so that there's, like, I guess, a combination mm -hmm. and there'll be money coming in to help renovate apartments? And we saw what they did in Ocean Bay and it looked quite nice and the residents seemed quite happy. Mm -hmm. What do you think mm -hmm. about that? Well, it's necessary. It's absolutely necessary and is it's one of the answers um, at a point when they are not providing funding. When I say they, the federal government is no longer providing enough funding um, with in public housing. You need to figure out other options on being able to um, provide the residents with the um, like safe, clean um, and decent housing. And so RAD is one of those opportunities. So we have to do that. And um, in some kind of way, we just have to make sure that when it's done, when that particular um, partnership, public-private partnership is in place, that the residents still have all of the same protections that they would have had under the public housing guidelines. So it's necessary. But will it look like Ocean Bay? Will it look like the RAD deal that took place in... Um, in it will not. Because remember, in Ocean Bay, that also had FEMA money after Sandy. And so they spent a, almost a half a billion dollars in Ocean Bay. So the reality that it would look the same, the same level of renovations, is not necessarily going to be the case. But there will be renovations made, and um, it's necessary. It is. Danny, what do you think about that? Well, I'm not sold, quite frankly, on the RAD, the uh, Rental Assistance Demolition. I mean, demonstration. Mm, it's called demonstration. Yeah, which is you're right, name. you're right. But, you're right. Um, <laughs> but it's basically, so pe for people who don't know, it's basically RAD is the name RAD. that's given for the HUD program that was started mm -hmm. under President Obama's administration, 2011 Public-Private Partnership to help low-income people. Is that the and, and it goes back a little further than Obama, but it... um. It turns night it turns the 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 buildings from section nine to section eight. It brings a voucher that's attached to the building and the apartment. You cannot take the voucher to travel. When NYCHA's doing presentations, NYCHA's not outright telling the residents. What they tell them is that you have the building is section eight. You can, after a year living there, you can put your name on a listing for a travel and voucher, but they're not telling the people if Congress doesn't put money in the budget for the voucher There program, won't be a traveling there voucher. There won't be a traveling mm -hmm. voucher. And if you choose to opt out, you opt out of that program and you're homeless unless you get a transfer to move out of there to someplace else. Heidi, what do you think about the, the this whole idea of, you know, the federal government, HUD getting more involved and 
like these public-private partnerships. Does that does that concern you about the, the stability, or is it more just about you just trying to get through and not have your kids get sick? Um, well, mainly that my kids getting sick, living in an uninhabitable apartment, um, basically neighborhood because there's like boxes outside to try to contain the rat infestation, but obviously that's not working. Now, my feeling listening to you know watching the news, listening to the radio, and you know, my neighbors and everything, it's a bunch of BS. Now, to me, like I, I w we were talking before we came in here, I said to them, we have these workers that are sitting in these offices. Now, where they're saying they, they're, not, they're not on site or they aren't here, they're there. They're in the offices in a little apartment that's inside of our complex hanging out or wherever they're doing, who knows. Now, why can't there be a rotation? All hands on deck, we're giving our rent, use our money, buy the supplies, give it to the workers. Now, let's say I, I started off with cabinets. Go into every apartment, 1A, 1B in that building, 1C, second floor, and give a specific date. Tell the tenant we're coming on this date. We're doing only cabinets. Right. Everybody gets their cabinets fixed. Now we're going to go to the so next category. Right. So now we go to the next category. We're going to fix whatever holes we find. Let's go around right. and fix the holes in every mm -hmm. single apartment, specific date, mm -hmm. so that way the tenant knows that they're coming. They, and they can they, move, they set, they can they move set furniture or whatever they need to they move. They set right. everything, day off of work they need to, a paper stating that this is going to be done so they can, you know, they don't look bad at their jobs because that's something that I go through too. Oh, I got to tell my job I, got, I have to be there. I don't want to not be there. Oh, you need someone over 18 in the apartment so we can get things fixed. No, right. I don't want to be there. That's like, why not house. come on Saturdays and, and Sundays when people are home or in the evening, which or, they... Or, 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 or not come at 6.30 at night to try to you know, send an exterminator after I've been waiting all day to remove a rat from my home right. while I'm cooking dinner. Yeah. You know, like that's private, you know, or, or knock on my door whenever you want, so you're invading my privacy. How, how much all of this is, is, how much of all of this is just the willpower? Because one thing I found out last January when we were first going out to, you know, different, different complexes and mm -hmm. different developments and Nitch was telling us there was heat. We were there and there was no heat at all, no. you know, in the hallways or in the apartments. But you know what? After we were there with the Fox 5 camera, the TV camera, then th things started to happen. And it was almost a joke, like, you have to bring the camera there that's in order to get... That's, that's, the the that's what it is. So, that's so, but yes. what I don't understand is if they could fix the problem that quickly after we came and put it on the 10 o'clock news mm -hmm. or on a street soldier special, why couldn't that have been done mm -hmm. to begin with? Because everybody doesn't care, Lisa. And it's easy, quick to say, I care, I care, or I grew up, they grew up there. A lot of people grew up in public housing. Many people. A mm -hmm. lot of people come Many. back. A lot of people give back. A lot right. of people don't. That's your choice. Right. But the point and the question is, Heidi and myself, we still live there. Mm -hmm. Right. That's what we, what we have and where we have to call home. So what we're at, what we're demanding from the New York City Housing Authority, Heidi has my number. If she sees a rat, call me. I'll wake Vito up in the middle of the night to tell him about her rat. If I have to call the media in the middle of the night, the deaths of every well, better outlet. Better be Lisa Evers with Fox Five. Yeah, I'll definitely wake. I'll wake Lisa up in the middle of the night to let her know we need to get to Heidi's apartment. It needs to be brought to light, and it's not to mm -hmm. just to beat up on NYCHA. It's like you it's said. It's the only way to get things it's done. The only way but what, you I, get but why it. Is what I think is missing is is um, someone like that a person that gets it that lives in NYCHA, a NYCHA resident, but that's also on an executive level at 250 Broadway. 
There's a lot of talent. There's a lot of expertise. There's, you know, there are people that are educated in property management, in finance, in, in project management. And there's and no te- there's no resident there's representative no, on the NYCHA board. And they will, there, there is, is there, a, no, there, there is, is um, Ms. Jackie, um, who is a, a former TA resident of Linux, Linux Road Houses. And she's there, but she's appointed by the mayor. Like she's a, a the, the the board itself of NYCHA are mayoral appointees, right? So what we need is somebody independent of that's that, somebody that is that is on payroll, right? That's a NYCHA resident that sits at 250 Broadway and that are part of senior staff meetings with the chair with Vito to make sure that there's somebody at the table to say no, that's not right, right. that's not true, that's not what's and happening. And going home into and she's going Absolutely. home and has her her neighbors like like. Like Miss Simpson, for example, when the when there was the no the, that weekend without water, yeah. any water at all at Patterson houses. When I asked her, I go, how did this, you know, how did this happen, or what, you know, why did this, why do you think this happened? She gave me like this whole explanation, you know, th- this was here, that was there, and once again another situation, th- a temporary situation, with plumbing and stuff that had been there you know, been there for years and things that had been just done, they were kind of like these workarounds because the work had never been done in the first place. But she knew that building inside out. She knew the mm-hmm. boiler. She knew the she knew the plumbing situation. She knew the water sources. Look what she, you just said. She knew all of that. Look what you, and who's she? She's the resident association president. Okay, so now. So I mean, like, that's, some, that's somebody who should be on the NYCHA board. Let's look at what the councilwoman said and what you just said. This is the Bible. 24 CFR 964 HUD regulation. NYCHA follows this when it's crucial and beneficial to NYCHA. This governs NYCHA and the resident associations. HUD is supposed to be the interim, intermedium to negotiate and navigate any discrepancies Mm. and opinions and us not getting to uh, the concrete of uh, uh, the best solution for the residents of public housing. Right. HUD has laxed in their job. Mm. HUD has not provided any accountability, any transparency. When you do paperwork, HUD just looks at the signature in the back to say, okay, the residents agree with NYCHA, and they put it forth. Which is why there were falsified this LUD reports that exactly. nobody really found until the city council exactly. did an investigation. Until the council held them put fire under their feet and held them to everything that's supposed to be. But this is the Bible. It's not followed. And 80% of NYCHA's senior staff knows nothing of the regulations. But if they're not enforced, why do they need to know? Like, you know about regulations, like if you park there, you're going to get a ticket, or if you mm-hmm. don't pay your rent, you're going to get a notice, and something's going something's so to happen we, like that. We need, I think, that every faction of government that gives money the city council, the assembly, the senate, there needs to be a resident oversight committee with the residents, with that elected official, some staffers that go back to Alika's committee and say, well, council member, this is what we came up with from the oversight committee on what's not being done in NYCHA and whatnot. And then it's up to Alika to hold that hearing and then it's up to the invest Richie Torres being the she investigator and oversight right. to issue them subpoenas. Mm-hmm. If you have subpoena power that can hold people accountable and credible for their actions and their things they're not doing and the violations, send them all to jail. Because all right. if it was you, you'd be in there. 
lying under oath, sends a lot of people to jail. This is Street Soldiers. I'm not going to lie. We got to take a break. We'll be right back. Yeah, yeah, NYC, what up? You already know who this is. Your boy Uncle Murder, a.k.a. East New York. And right now you listening to Street Soldiers live on Hot 97 with Lisa Evers. Real people, real issues, real politics. You heard? Brooklyn. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about NYCHA at a crossroads. A federal judge is threatening to take over NYCHA if the city can't prove that it can turn it around and make the apartments and the housing developments decent living spaces for nearly half a, a billion people, half a million people who call NYCHA home. Joining me for this conversation, Heidi Morales. She's a working mother of four. She's also a NYCHA resident. Great to have you with us, Hi, Heidi. Thank and thank you. you so much for speaking out on this. It's for you having me. This is thank you. Really, really important. Also with us is Danny Barber. He's the president of CCOP. It's a citywide council of presidents. He represents the presidents of all the resident and tenant associations in NYCHA Developments. Danny, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Also joining us is City Council Member Alika Amprey-Samuel. She's from Brooklyn. She is the chair of the City Council Housing Committee. She represents Brownsville and other neighborhoods in Brooklyn and grew up in Brownsville in NYCHA Housing. City Council Member Amprey-Samuel, great to have you with us. Glad to be here. Thank you so much. Let's talk about a year from now or even just a month or two from now after the federal judge, Judge Pauly, who's been involved with this case, decides does HUD have to come in or does the federal receivership take place? What exactly is this federal receivership we keep hearing about? So if there is a administrative receivership, that would mean that HUD would step in and HUD would have all um, management responsibilities. They would come in, they would do a lot of firing is what we'll see. And not just the staffers at NYCHA, but also the, um, we gotta think about all of the union members who work at NYCHA. And so um, HUD would step in and they would just dictate anything and everything that's supposed to happen. But then there can also be like a judicial, um, a judicial type of receivership where everything would have to go through the judge would have to go through the federal judge. Um, but then there's, you know, we're also talking about what other ways this can work out, where the judge will put in place a monitor, a federal monitor, who would be able to come in and um, be the, the, like, oversee everything that's happening. And that person would, um, NYCHA would have to report to that person. And then that person can work with HUD to say this is what they're doing and um, it will be, uh, will just to, to be the decision maker right. for NYCHA. And so um, I see that as a better deal. But when you said um, what's going to happen next month or a year from now, the, I, I think the best um, uh, sense of uh, like a new beginning would be a monitor being put in place and they would oversee all of the funding and dollars that go through from the city, the state and federal government. And because they've already been put on blast from like, you know, people like you, Lisa, right? right? Um, there's no turning back. Right. So the spotlight is you on NYCHA. Hide, you, you can't can, deny. They denied been no, there was no uh, heat problem for a while till they couldn't deny it anymore. And yeah. the, the, all these other issues. We have the video and people, residents have pictures. So the money is there. Yeah. It's just about putting a management in place to make sure that the money is allocated and spent the way it should on behalf of the residents. So there's no turning back. So you think Federal Monitor might open that, that faucet of cash to help get some of these things going? And make some proper decisions. It's all about decision making, and we need somebody else to be in that office, in that space, making the decisions, not but the, not the current um, management structure that we see today. Not the same old, same old. Mm, absolutely not. Danny, what do you what do you think about in terms in terms of these options that are open? Whether you know NYCHA remains 
under the city jurisdiction and the city runs NYCHA or the federal judge says, hey, you know, you have a federal monitor coming in. What do you think? Well, <clears throat> we see from Chicago that receivership isn't a good thing because under receivership is possibility of demolition and not a one-for-one -one replacement. So that brings up the homeless rate drastically. And it puts people who are already home and housed to make them homeless and houseless. Um, that's not a good thing. I agree with the council member. Um, it just has to be resident oversight as well. It needs to be concrete, solid resident participation at its greatest. Your residents cannot be a suggestion as the old consent decree sought us to be. Mm. But you were there mm -hmm. talking directly to the federal judge. Exactly, and I expressed to the judge that we live it. We go through it on a daily basis. And if who's best to call an expert but someone who goes through it daily, constantly, frequently, and we're only considered to be a suggestion. It's a great idea. Things can work. It can be good for the residents, but it has to be more than just a Band-Aid. It has to be transparency and accountability. And like the council member said, I know that they wouldn't do anything less than coming in and, like, cleaning house. The old saying, the fish It sounds rot. like you need to clean it. You, you, you got rats and everything else yeah. you need, need to clean up. Heidi, in, ter in, terms of, in terms of your future, I mean, this is a nightmare for you every single day. How do, you, how do you get through that? I'm trying to figure out how I can just work. I wake up every day pursuing my career and just like everybody else and trying to move up and buy myself a house, you know. And um, with the whole thing with, you know, them coming to fix the apartments, like the construction, I mean, you know, breaking things. What about the people that, like, for example, you break a wall down this festival of rats. All that's going to go into the air. People are in their homes breathing that in already. You don't want to break down things when they're there. You have to move people out to get things done. You can't have them there while you're doing all this. When repairs are being done in my house, I have to send my daughter to my mom's because she can't breathe in all that sawdust or the sheetrock being sanded or the, the mold being pulled out of the walls. She can't, none of us could breathe any of that. And you you say you look looking for another place another place to live, but it's, but hard. it's, like, it's very the it's rent. Hard. I mean the, the gentrification situation is very hard to find any kind of affordable apartments, yeah. isn't it? It is. But I mean, what else? What can I do? That's why I'm here. Right. You know because it, it, I just I feel horrible. You know now that it's coming down to it, it's like I have the the, the structure of my house is beautiful, beautiful apartment. And you want you like I want to go home and I want to lay my head. I don't I don't hang out. I don't go drinking. I don't go smoking. I don't be in parties. I go home and I and I and I record my kids every single day. And it's like, they ask me, mommy, why are you stressed? I want to teach them what's going on, and that's why I'm here. And I'm hopefully God willing, you know, with every prayer, I wake up every day, and all this comes to something. We hope so too. We hope so too, definitely. Mm -hmm. And that's at the end of the day, that's what it's about. It's about not numbers. You said it in one of the hearings. This is not some PowerPoint presentation. These are people's lives. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. And do you think that, that the federal monitor, do you think that there will, there will be a chance for that? Do you have any sense 
of, of which way things are going or yeah I, th I think because of what and, and judge Pauly said it in his in his statements um, he was not pleased at all right. about what was presented um, the second time around and so um, that's what he's looking for he's looking for more accountability more structures in place to make sure that night is held accountable and that HUD has that direct oversight but he's also he he did take in the information with what Danny said, you know, where is the NYCHA voice, I mean, the resonant voice in all of this? And so I truly believe that that's what we'll see, where there is um, something that's concrete and mandatory for there to be a real um, uh, uh, formal resonant voice in this new process. No, and, it's, and it seemed like the judge, I mean, the judge, when he when he first rejected the first, uh, first offer from the city, he said... It, residents people are living in he used very strong language mm -hmm. and said they just are not going to he just did not trust NYCHA to to do right by the residents yes. yeah. Danny that's got to give you some kind of hope though right yeah I still keep the faith of Job I mean I, I know we'll do okay I know we'll be okay God didn't bring us this far to leave us now he said the least you do unto one of my little ones you do unto me and we're all his children so I know we'll be okay we won't go into receivership. I strongly believe that. But is receivership and federal monitor the same thing? No. No. Oh, okay. Receivership is a bad thing. Receivership <laughs> is just basically me telling you, Lisa, if I don't like the way things are, I can come in and I can kick you out of your house and I can tear it down and don't have to rebuild it. That's receivership. That's receivership. Okay, then federal monitor. Federal monitor is, is Lisa Evers is going in to work with through the judge right. and report directly to the judge on day-to-day -day operations of NYCHA and how everything goes and what's being done and you determine as the monitor the severity and what gets fixed first, second, third, fourth, so on and so forth. So city council members, so we have, we have basically come January 31st, unless mm -hmm. there's another extension given, which seems kind of unlikely, <laughs> but um, there's three options. So things can stay the way that they are, mm -hmm. right? With NYCHA doing what they're doing and their programs with the mayor overseeing all that. Mm -hmm. Option number two, is this federal monitor, which it seems a lot of people do want. And then the third option is the receivership where they take over everything and there's no, they can do whatever, basically whatever they want. But there's that, different types of receiverships yeah, too. There are different types. But there's another option. That's three. Okay, the, what's the four? The fourth option is the best option. If all the parties, the city, the state, the federal government, and the residents sit at the table as at the, the same time. At the same time <laughs> as the, the original consent decree ordered and never got done, to come up with a solution, the residents have to be a part of but it in order good, for it to work. Because it's like I can use this as leverage. Like I can just go back home and then the people that are afraid to speak up, the people that are getting tired of putting the tickets in, the people that are, you know, because people, are, like he said, people are they're old, they live their home, they don't want to get up and leave, they don't want all this extra spotlight on them, but they are suffering and they're afraid of the type of attention because they don't know what could come out of it. So it's like me being there, it's like, listen, look, look what I'm doing, you know you can get the help too. Yeah. So that's, like I said, thank you for and having me. And I'm willing to help you. I'm willing to. When you go home, you can tell them that you got somebody that's willing to do it and I'll take the hit. I'll take the beating. They don't have to take it. And I have attorneys that back them if they need the attorneys as well. Well, that's great. 
You'll be getting it. I'm pretty sure knowing <laughs> Heidi, she's very soft spoken, but I'm sure you're going to be getting that call. She has my number. I gave it to her at the last town hall. She has my information. She All can use it, it whenever. Exactly. The last street soldiers town hall. So um, in, in, ter- in terms of this, this winter, too, we're going into this. We're going into this. You know, we, we are in the winter season almost officially, but it, the cold, the cold, cold weather is here. Are you concerned about your residents? not having heat or some of these old boilers breaking down? We are concerned. Um, you know, we had a, a hearing a couple of months ago, and um, well, in October, um, with the first um, cold weekend. Right. And we did find out that there were about 35,000 um, residents who were without heat and yes. hot water over just that weekend. Um, but at the same time, you know, and I hate to even say this, I just, <laughs> um, but it's less than what it was last year. And so there is some improvement. Um, and. I think if we just continue to speak out and shine that spotlight, then we'll make sure that the number continues to be low. But there's mobile boilers, and we found out that they are handing out space heaters yeah. in some of the developments. Are they going to pay the condo? That's, that's, the, next that's the next question. That's right? the next question, because uh, one, one of the residents said her bill was over $200. But anyway, Heidi, I'm going to give you the last word. we got to wrap things up here. What's your hope for, for 2019 for yourself and your no family? No mobile heaters. Because mobile heaters throw black smoke, and black smoke blow into people's windows. <sighs> oh my gosh! So this is like a no, no mobile heaters. What? We can't be doing that. Yes, I had a mobile uh, a mobile heater in front of my building, and I have it on camera where the black smoke is just piling up. I was I'm on the third floor, so I'm like 50 feet away. We it's, need to come visit. We need to come visit again. Yeah, blowing into my kids' windows. I had to take my kids out of their rooms and put them in my room oh to my sleep. Oh my god! And all of us in one room to sleep with a heater. That's uh, that's unbelievable. It's it's unreal. And the gas leak, please. Check that because that's scary. we'll talk. We'll talk. We'll talk as well too, Heidi. We have time for a little follow up, or a big follow up. Anyway, I want to thank you. Thank you so much for being with us. We wish you very, you know, happy holiday season. As happy as it can be in those circumstances. And I'm sure knowing what kind of mother you are, you're going to make it great as great for the kids as thank possible. <laughs> so thank you so much for being with us. We really Goodbye, appreciate it. Me. Danny Barber, thank you for keeping up the fight and, uh, yes, you know, always being available to us to break things down and show us what's going on. Just give me a call. We do. <laughs> you know, you know, you already get to go. City Council Member Alika Ampri Samuel, and thank you so much thank for you, Lisa. Uh, thank you for uh, putting putting so much effort into this, and also coming up with all these reports and all, all of the data that is uh, you know that a lot of us don't understand, but th- that you really need to convince them in a government situation that this is the real reality that's going mm-hmm. on. So thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you, Lisa. and I want to thank all of you for being on this episode of Street Soldiers, and thank you for joining us. Wishing you a very ho- uh, happy holiday season. Remember, use your mind; it's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. I'm Lisa Evers. Let's push for peace.